0: Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk.
1: Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
2: Well, from car financing to making the big switch to EVs, this week, motoring journalist Geraldine Herbert is with us to answer any of your car-related questions and queries. You can text us 53106. You can call us either 1800 453 106 if you have a question for Geraldine this afternoon. That's what Karen did. She's on the line. Karen, good afternoon.
1: Uh, good afternoon. How ya?
2: Good. What's your query for Geraldine today?
1: Um, I have a query. We have a Nissan Duke and we're trying to upgrade um, the last few months we've been looking around. And we're looking for something a little bit bigger um, with leather seats for children. And so we were looking at a Kia Sportage and a Peugeot 3008. And I was just wondering, does she know kind of much about them in terms of reliability, which would be better um, and how to get a car? Because there's very few out there. I know. Um, but, uh, Yeah, just really, I suppose we've kind of narrowed it down to those two, we think. And uh, just to ask her kind of opinion. Okay. And if if it's the Peugeot more than the Kia, then I have a different question. But uh, just to
0: ask her that first. Geraldine. Okay, so it's a Peugeot 3008. And which is the Kia? The Sportage. The Sportage. Yeah, both really good cars. Tell me, are you buying new or used? Uh, Used used. Yeah, look, there's very little between the two, have you? You've obviously test-driven both, or you've made a preference on the Peugeot is is your preference at the moment. Peugeot's probably the nicer interior of the two, but there's very little difference between them in terms of space and stuff like that. So, what makes you go for the Peugeot over the Kia? Just, we had got turned off
1: the Kia uh, from somebody we knew um, in terms of reliability, and we weren't sure then, you know, they just said that they didn't think they were that reliable. There is a seven-year warranty obviously, and I think it's five with the Peugeot, but yeah, I suppose we just wanted to kind of um, I suppose, have a look around at, at others because we had been kind of fixated on the Sportage initially, but um, yeah, the 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 Peugeot then in terms of the uh, diesel versus petrol, do you know what the difference is in terms of like, is there any difference between the 1.5 diesel and I think it's 1.2 maybe petrol or 1.3 petrol in the Peugeot.
0: Okay, just answer a few things. In terms of reliability, Kia has Kia has a really, really good reputation. So there could have been just one unfortunate owner who had mm, a bad yeah. bad experience, but they do have a very good um very good um uh, record. And as you say, the warranty is actually longer on those. But Peugeot is where you're going, so that's fine. In terms of petrol or diesel, it really comes down to what sort of driving you do. If you do a lot of mileage, you're going to need a diesel. A Peugeot or a petrol just won't do it. So, like, do you cover a lot of distance in a year? No,
1: not really. Um, Probably twelve, fifteen thousand kilometers, you know, so not a huge amount.
0: Yeah, then I would go with the petrol to be honest, because you're paying extra for the diesel. You don't need it okay. in terms of mileage, and in terms of depreciation as well, you're probably better off at a petrol at the moment rather than rather than a diesel. The market is moving away from diesel. That said, they still serve you know a good purpose for yeah. some people. But I think in terms of resale, you'd probably be better okay. off with the the uh, the petrol. I hope. Petrol. Yeah, yeah, I hope that helps, Karen,
2: and, and thanks a million for for getting in touch with us here on the program today. 1800 453 106 is the uh, number if you want to join us. Joe is on line two. Joe, what? to your question
1: hello Andrea, hello geraldine um geraldine i recently bought eight days ago a brand new i20 and it's already starting to rust it's got rust spots all over the roof and at the boots of the car now my question is what is my rights in regards to this because i bought it with the extra paint scratch protection and whatnot that came with it um so what what do I do? What would you hmm, recommend, okay. or what would oh. your advice
0: be? Okay, did you buy it privately, or did you buy it through a dealership?
1: Through a dealership, sorry.
0: Okay, then go back to the dealer. I mean, that, you know, because they. I, you're covered un- under consumer rights if you buy a car from a dealership. It, it must be roadworthy, it must be as described, it must be fit for purpose. So I would definitely first protocol is go back to your dealership. If you don't get satisfaction from your dealer, contact SIAMI and um, there's a Society of Irish Motors and um, the Motor Society. So that, but first of all, your dealer should be able to yeah, help.
2: Absolutely, they'd be the first the first place to to go back to. Joe, thanks a million for getting in touch with us and and happy motoring. I uh, hope you get that sorted out. Tina's on the line as well. Te- Tina, what's your query?
1: Hi Andrea and Geraldine. I ordered a 222 Hyundai Tucson back in April. Well I went into the dealership in February and they told me to come back to them in April and I was assured I'd have it early July. Then they told me there was a delay and it should be August and now they're telling me it should be September because there's problems with the garage in South Korea. So my question to Geraldine is if it Drag's on for much longer, would I be better off to hold out till next year?
0: Yeah, unfortunately at the moment this global chip shortage and the supply chain issues with new cars is outside of the hands of dealers so they're in a a really tricky situation at the moment. I can perfectly understand your point though I would look at if this drags on any further I'd definitely look at cancelling it and getting a a 2023 car as opposed to a 2022 because the value will be slight but there will be a difference in value and if you're going to pay the upfront cost of it now I'd definitely go into the dealership get them to pin down a date if they can't stand over that I'd say look can I swap my order for next year. Can you
2: actually do that Shirley? though. Can you just say, listen, I have the deposit paid on the 2022 model. It's not coming to 2023. But actually, do you know what? There's no point in taking that. I want Well, euro. I mean, in,
0: in the end of the day, you're in the driving seat. You're paying for this. You know, you haven't received it yet. You've been told it was coming in at a certain time. Mm, You've been let there. down. So you should be. You know, that's what I I would certainly be looking at that if you don't get it very soon. Okay. Uh, 53106 is the number.
2: Noreen is with us as well. Noreen, what's your query?
1: Hi there. I've got a zero 09 um, Volkswagen Golf. Great car but I have over 300,000 kilometres on it. I commute to work about three days a week, motorway one hour, debating whether to change to with Diesel, change to petrol or go hybrid.
0: So roughly what mileage would you cover in a year? Um, oh, I'd say twenty
1: twenty-five 25,000
0: kilometres. Yeah, you see, you're, you're still in that diesel, um, uh, that diesel market. Is there anything wrong with the car, by the way? Are you just looking at no. the fact that it could let you down at any stage? No,
1: it's actually, it's a, it's a great car and I love it. It's BW Golf
0: like I say but Yeah I mean I'd be tempted to say to you hold on to it until it literally just seizes up but then at the last the last thing you want to do is go out some morning and and, you know realise it I I presume you're having it regularly regularly serviced Yeah And what does the mechanic say to you like is, is there any reason why you should get rid of it
1: No other than it's just age and mileage
0: yeah, to be honest, I would I would hold on to it for as long as you could because it sounds like if you've got that amount of mileage on it, you're onto a really good car at the moment. I would, in terms of the mileage you do, you're, I wouldn't be looking at a hybrid for the simple reason that they're not that economical on motorways and they're not that economical if you're doing a lot of mileage. So you'd nearly need to switch into a diesel again. If you do that, you're looking at depreciation you know, further down the line, whereas the car you have at the moment, it's practically, it's costing you nothing and apart from running costs at this stage because it's well and truly paid for, I'm sure. So I, I'd be very slow to change it, to be honest.
1: Okay,
0: Very good. Thanks, there
2: you Mary. are. No Saved you a fortune now, <laughs> no worries. Thanks a million for, for getting in touch with us. Um, Penny is with us as well, actually, line three. But Penny, what's your query today for Geraldine? Um, this is a
1: tough one for her. I have about forty grand to spend this year and I don't know whether to change my car for an electric because it's really annoying me driving driving around to the petrol car. It's a two thousand and eighteen Go to Karoc. Or insulate my house. See, go do, on
2: the holiday do. of a lifetime.
0: <laughs> You're giving life
2: advice now, Geraldine.
0: Oh, God, the insulating the house. I'll tell you, you have a decent car in the 2018 Carroch. It's still, and the thing about it is as well, it's what, three years old, four years old at this stage. The depre- you've, you've taken the biggest depreciation and hit at the moment. So you'd be better off, in my mind, holding onto it and sorting out your house. Now, that's that's just what I'm thinking. And then at some later stage, looking at going electric, cause what you have at the moment is a very decent car. Now, I don't know what the situation with your house is, but looking at winter, I'd be looking at my home yeah. first of all.
1: Well, thanks very much. I really didn't think that was a fair
2: question. Uh, <laughs> you answered it? Well, that's helped me. Thank you. No no thanks a million, Penny. Eighteen hundred four five three one zero six is the question. Uh, this listener, um, you'll be glad to know, Geraldine, back. It's to not
0: household. No, it's not. No, <laughs> it's back to,
2: back to cars. Um, my question is in regards to range on electric vehicles. Is it true that you lose forty to fifty kilometers in range during the winter time?
0: Um, it depends on the car, right? More of the new cars are coming in. What it's known as heat, these heat pumps, and what they do is they actually look after the energy that would normally be lost through heating and air conditioning and all of those things. So you get a much more accurate range. And um, it will be an issue though if you're buying an older electric car. So as I said, it's one of those things that's getting better.
2: Um, I've had an, an EV experience lately that right that I'm dying to share it with that us. I'm dying to share with you yeah and the only problem with doing the test drive is that you have to, you have to give the thing back that's oh, the yeah. unfortunate reality it's of it's your it, car for a few the, days yes, it's a lovely experience it. for about four days and then you have to give it back but tell me um, sorry the aircon and pumping out the heat what is there a is there an approximate, you know, range that that uses in every one of the electric cars?
0: Yeah, I mean, if they don't have heat pumps, I think it's Skoda. They actually have a kind of um, a device on their there a calculation thing on their website where you can put in the range and then you can put it in for winter and you can put it in for summer and see the difference. So, as I said, it depends on the make and model, but more of the new the newer models have these heat pumps, and that should minimise the amount of energy that's lost when you use all of these things. Like the Polestar two has it, the Hyundai Ionic five. I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. So, as I said, the you know the more modern ones, are dealing with that an awful lot better mm. it used to be a big issue with the older ones though um, What about the wireless charging in the car? Does mm. that eat the battery? No, that shouldn't. I mean, it really is the things that eat the battery are the same things that consume fuel in a car. And air conditioning is one of those things that do so. Whether yeah. you're driving a petrol or diesel or an EV, you have to be aware of that. So it's the big things like that. It's not the small things. And uh, you can put on the radio. I've actually heard people who don't use the radio in an electric car because oh they don't want to
2: be telling them don't ever yeah, let no. people think they can't put on the radio. Absolutely, exactly. keep, the radio keep the radio on. Keep the radio. Saves range. Actually, <laughs> i better not say that now before someone sends in a complaint or something. Um, this texture Christine, is wondering about the best value for. EVs for longer distance journeys with a uh, boot space for two dogs, she's wondering, Gerlien.
0: Boot space for two dogs. Um, one of my favourite small, well priced um EVs and um, small SUVs, but still decent size is the Kona, the Hyundai Kona electric. It's about I think 31-32,000 Has a range of four hundred and fifty kilometres and a really, really good range. Like you get that out of it, and it has decent boot space. I have two kids, they're teenagers almost at this stage, and they fit in the back quite well. So that is something I would definitely look at. The e Nero Kia's one is is very similar to it, and that's coming on stream. There's a brand new one coming next month. So again, if she's buying new, maybe that would be a thing to look at. Um, it's interesting the
2: the difference because I just with the experience I had in the last two weeks, because you have the range in the car, but then you've actually you have the real time range, you mm-hmm. know, like the real. And there's a there's a difference. There's a disparity. You know, there's a decent disparity between them.
0: It depends on a huge number of things, and one of them is your style of driving. And you see that range at any one time is is based on a predictive. A predicted range based on with the way you are driving. So you'll find if you're in slow-moving traffic and you're going bumper to bumper and you're driving yeah. really slowly, it'll probably give you a really long range. You suddenly move onto a motorway, then and it's predicting the range based on what you're doing. You're doing 100 kilometres an hour, and it's going. Do you know what? We're not going to get that range, and it suddenly goes down. So it's constantly predicting the range you're going to get. But the more you drive an electric car, the more you realise that range can be managed, and you stop mm. to you stop worrying about it, and you realise that if I modify my style of driving, if I do this, I can get more range. Yeah. So you learn how to manage. There it. is a,
2: there is a bit of an ex- Experience with it. Like, yeah. you, you know, it does take. I only had it for a couple of days, but you do, you, you kind of learn as the day goes on that. You know, it's maybe a totally
0: different approach to driving. It is, yeah. It is and it slows you down and it does make you drive more smoothly and it does make you aware of these things and as as you found out when you go on a long journey around the I country know. and you're suddenly dependent on the public network, you have to plan and sometimes that's harder said than done because some of the apps are not very reliable. But
2: sure, that's what I found. The, yeah. the, I was using the ESB app and she was telling me there was chargers that I could use and they weren't you working, or they were in use, and it didn't tell me they were in use. Like, but the one thing I would say from my experience was the um, the the fast charging point, char- fast charger points that we have around the country. There's not half enough of them. Yeah, you'd want to double. Triple the amount of them that's Triple around the country. at least
0: that's the big problem. There's nineteen hundred, I think it is, charging points around the country at eight hundred different locations, but the vast majority of those are standard to slow, slow chargers. They're no good yeah, to anyone. Be there for half an hour if they for took 10%. all of them out and actually just replaced them with fast charges, we'd hardly need any more. That's what we need okay. because people would spend less yes. time at them as well. They'd be in, they'd be out, and they'd be topped up. The problem is we just don't have enough of them. Uh,
2: an email from a listener who was a twenty fifteen Mitsubishi Outlander, the P H E V. Mm. Where can I get the remaining life expectancy? of the battery test
0: it. Um, Anywhere that services an Outlander should be able to tell you that. Anywhere that services an electric car should be able to tell you what the, ba- the life of your battery is. Okay. Uh, and Phil- that goes for if you're buying one as well and you're worried about a second hand EV but you can get the battery checked in advance so don't be worried about and that. And you can do
2: that at any garage that, that has services an electric car which should be nearly cars. all of them. Yeah. yeah okay. Philip is on the line as well. Well Philip what's your question? Uh,
1: it's a question for Geraldine. I'm a sales rep I do 45,000-50,000 kilometres a year and I'm looking at either a going EV or a Toyota RAV4 PHEV.
0: I presume you do a lot of motorway driving. Quite a bit. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, you're you're one of these people what you need are lots of fast chargers all around the country yeah. and they're just not there at the moment. The problem with um, the RAV4, any of those plug-in hybrids, uh, you're going to be dipping into the petrol engine quite considerably because you're not going to be in a situation that you can top up that whatever it is, 60 to 70 km, all kilometre, all um, electric range regularly. So you're going to be relying on a petrol engine and that is not going to be efficient. That's the problem. Also, in terms of your, your um, the distance you cover, it would be very hard to recommend any EV unless you, did, you were we on a certain route that had access to fast chargers. Now I know that that's a pretty damning um, thing to say about EVs at the moment, but you cover a lot of mileage.
1: Yeah, Charlie. Uh, what, what I have is uh, most of my driving is from Wicklow into Dublin, uh, and I, I had a Rav4 for a week, and I, I hardly used petrol at all.
0: Oh well, then maybe there's a thing. Uh, okay.
1: But once or twice a month, I have an 800-kilometre round trip, which is Dublin to uh, Carlo, Kilkenny, Waterford, Wexford, and back to Wicklow.
0: OK, so you're not doing that mileage on a daily basis. OK, what you need to look at then is if you can do your regular trips on a daily basis without dipping into the petrol engine, you need to then work out how much is it going to cost you for that 800 trip and does the cost for that still justify getting the plug-in hybrid? And it may well balance that it does. I mean, if you're doing it purely on electric and you're you're factoring in the cost of electric and they're still so much lower, you might, it might work out. But I was thinking was you were doing like, you know, a, a huge number on a daily basis. So, yeah. you know, okay. I, w- I would
2: look at doing the maths on that. Philip, thanks a million for je- uh, joining us here on the programme today. Um, somebody just looking to find out where you can get the fast charger EV stations. Where's the best app, Geraldine, to get that?
0: There's a load of these apps. If you just Google the apps because there's quite a few of them. The ESB one, though, is the one that'll have the public charging yes. network. And the thing about that is it's cheaper than all of the private ones. So I honestly have their own um Um, Easy Go have their own, so they have like various different apps for each of those. But the ESB one is still, in terms of the cost, it's still the most effective one to use because it's a lot cheaper than the others. All
2: right, listen, Geraldine Herbert, as always, thanks a million, Geraldine, for joining us here on the program today. Um, Of course, Geraldine just has all the info there on all of the cars for you. Lunchtime Live at NewsDoctor. com. That's the email address if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, We are going to be talking about what makes a great friend next.